What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Spec Tennis Podcast. Did you know that for Spec Tennis, you can train on the ball machine? Now, I haven't tried all ball machines, but I've tried a few of them, and they actually work really well to put the Spec Tennis balls in there. In particular, I've tried the Playmate model ball machines and also the Tennis Tutor Pro Lite. And so it's just a simple trial and error, see if it works to shoot the orange ball, which I think most of them should. You can really have a lot of fun and good effective practices on the ball machine if you do it right. So today I'm going to give you eight tips to maximize your ball machine practice. Number one is decide what your goal is, right? Are you doing it to get a workout? Are you grooving a specific stroke? Or are you putting together a pattern? Right. I see a lot of people go out there on the ball machine and they rapid fire the ball. They're kind of getting a workout, but not really. And their strokes just kind of become really sloppy, right? The ball machine is feeding faster than they are ready. And so they just end up hitting a lot of balls, but not with a lot of purpose behind it. And so you want to decide if you're going to do a workout, you want to set it up in such a way that you're doing intervals. So you do maybe five to 10 shots, then you take a break, but you put the maximum effort in for those five to 10 shots making sure that you're recovering after each shot, and then you take a little break afterwards. Or if you're grooving a specific stroke, I see people, oftentimes they oscillate the ball machine, which means it moves side to side or or they have random feeds. But if you're grooving a specific stroke, have the ball machine feed to the same place every time so that you can actually work on that specific stroke only, and then you can work on another stroke later. Or if you're putting together a specific pattern, I don't see players do this enough. They simply just stand at the baseline and let the ball machine feed to them. But For example, you could hit cross court, then hit down the line, then come up to the net and hit a volley and then repeat that pattern, right? That's actually practicing a realistic situation that you might use in spec tennis. Number two is make sure you set up targets, right? So if you have cones, that would be great to set up cones on the other side of the court, or maybe you only have a water bottle. That's fine. Put that on the other side of the court, try to hit it or a tennis ball can something so that you can measure how well you're doing. Because if you can hit your targets, that means you're doing really well or hit in the general target area. So when you're starting out, it might be within five feet of the target area consistently. But as you can start narrowing that down, you start becoming a lot more precise with your shots. It becomes a lot easier to play and win. And the other thing is if you have a target that is cross court mid depth, and you hit a shot that is down the line in short, you know that you really messed up that shot and you got to got to examine what went wrong on that shot. Number three is make sure you set up a recovery spot or at least know where you're going to recover to. So if you're familiar with proper recovery when you're playing at the baseline, you want to stand cross court from the ball that you just hit. So if you hit a cross court shot, let's say you're right-handed, you hit a forehand cross court, you want to recover slightly to the right of the center. And so on the ball machine, you want to be really aware of where you're recovering to. You're not just standing there and hitting the ball because that's not realistic of what you're going to do when you're playing spec tennis. And so it's really important to place a a good emphasis on recovering after you hit the ball. Now, of course, if you're having trouble making contact with the ball, you just want to stand in a static position and try not to have to move to get the ball so that you can work out just on the contact. But once you've got the contact down, then it's important to add movement because then you're practicing a realistic situation. And so to give you a quick example, maybe you're practicing cross court forehand. You could start in your recovery position one step to the right of the center have the ball machine feed to the right corner of the court so that you have to take a few steps out to the side laterally. And then after you hit that, you're going to hustle back to that recovery position. And it's important to recover faster than you go to the ball so that you're more ready for the next ball. You don't have to move as fast to the next ball and you're more relaxed when you're hitting that next ball. And I talked about this on a previous episode. And so it should be a medium pace going to the ball, but then a fast pace recovering so that you're ready for the next ball. 
And you can set up many possible scenarios with this. And so let's say you wanted to work on hitting a short forehand. You have the ball machine feed the ball short. You start just behind the baseline. After you hit that, you turn and run back to your recovery spot behind the baseline. Number four is give yourself enough recovery time in between shots. We're not talking about time to rest, right? That's a different topic, but we're talking about enough time to hit the shot and then successfully get back to your recovery spot before the next ball feeds. I often see players, they set the ball machine to the fastest feed rate. So it's just rapid fire shooting the balls out and it's not giving them any time to recover. And so this often just leads to them standing there just hitting ball after ball and it gets pretty sloppy. There's not a lot of time in between shots. And so you want to give yourself extra time. So it's okay even if you recover fast after your shot and then you're just standing there split stepping until the next ball comes out of the ball machine. Quality is better than quantity when you're hitting on the ball machine. So even if you hit less balls, but you're doing things well, like you're moving to the ball well, you're recovering well, you're able to focus on your shot. That's better than just rapid fire feeding the ball. Now, if you're going for a workout, then yes, you might try to test yourself a little bit and find a feed rate on the ball machine that's going to allow you very little time before the next shot after you recover, though. So you still need to make sure that you can hit the shot, recover, and then the next ball feeds. So you're trying to find the perfect timing of that so that you're getting a good workout, but you're only going to do that for five to ten shots. So you shouldn't just do that nonstop because then you get fatigued and then the movement starts falling apart. And so realistically during a point, you might not hit more than five to 10 shots before you have maybe a 30 second break before the next point. So it's important to simulate this on the ball machine as well. Number five is if you're going to groove a specific stroke, then you should isolate that one side. So don't have the machine oscillate from side to side or do random feeds. Have it do the same feed every time so that you can groove that stroke, right? If you're practicing forehands, it's not beneficial for you to practice forehands and backhands at the same time. Practice forehands first for a while, then practice backhands later, then maybe at the end you can do a mix. But if your goal is to groove a stroke, then you shouldn't oscillate the machine. Number six, and I already talked about this briefly, is if you're going for a workout, think of it as interval training. So you're going to do five to 10 shots and then take a 30 second break. So if you have a remote for the ball machine, that's great. You can actually pause the machine or you can run over to the other side and turn it off. Uh, briefly while you take a break, do a few sets and then do a few sets with a different location of the feed or a different starting position. And so by doing interval training like this, you're matching what it's like to play a point, but you're also improving your endurance. You don't want to think of spec tennis or tennis like a constant jog, right? A lot of people, they'll say that they're going to condition for tennis and they'll go out for a jog, but that's not realistic to what actually happens in tennis, right? It's a lot of short, quick bursts and then a rest. And so if you can simulate the same thing, you're going to get a great workout, but you're also going to match what's realistic. Now, another thing is I like to use a cone when I'm trying to get a workout. Instead of just recovering back to a spot, I like to recover around a cone because it adds a little bit of extra work. You're still recovering, but this can help you get a better workout as well. Number seven is instead of changing where the ball is fed to, uh, simply change your starting position. And so, especially if you're trying to get a workout, stand further away from where the ball is being fed to so that you have to move more to it. Let's say that you were just working on a wide cross court forehand. So you were starting a step to the right of the center. The ball machine was feeding to the right corner. And then you decided you wanted to work on a different shot. Simply just adjust the position that you start in. So let's say you wanted to now work on moving forward to a ball. Maybe you position yourself in the middle half of the court instead of one step to the right of the center. But you stand a few more feet behind the baseline so that every ball you have to move forward to it. 
or let's say you wanted to work on a backhand now. I would stand outside of the right corner of the court since the ball machine is feeding to the right corner. And by positioning yourself there, you're creating a backhand from the forehand side. So by doing this, this can save a lot of time on experimenting with the placement of the ball machine because every time you try to set a new location for the ball machine, it often takes a few minutes of trial and error to find where the ball machine needs to feed the ball to. Whereas if you simply just adjust your position, it's very efficient. You just go from one thing to the next. And the number eight tip for the ball machine today is if you have another player out there, I recommend having them stand on the opposite side of the court, um, out of the way of the ball machine, so they're not going to get hit by the feed. But then you hit to them and they practice volley placement. That's a really good way to practice rather than having an oscillation and having two players hit on one side of the court. I find it can often work well to have one player on each side of the court. And you're also creating kind of a realistic situation here. So your goal might be as the baseline player to dip the ball low at the volleyer's feet so that they can't hit an aggressive volley. And then the volleyer, if that happens, might try to hit a drop volley or an angle volley. Or if the baseline player hits too high to them, they might go for a little bit deeper, more aggressive target. And so you're putting yourself in realistic situations that you're going to face by doing this. And so those are eight tips that I have for using the ball machine to train for spec tennis. And if you go out and try a ball machine and it works well for spec tennis, let me know so I can kind of compile a list of ball machines that work well for spec tennis. Thanks, and I hope you got some value today on the Spec Tennis Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Head over to SpecTennis.com if you want to get started playing Spec Tennis, or send me an email, Nate, at SpecTennis.com if you have any questions.